You're listening to Core Stories. I'm Emily Bruff, Communications Director at Otter Creek Church. Recently, I sat down with my friends, Jana Beth and Ryan Hunt. I asked them to share their story of adoption. The first part focuses just on their daughter, Paige, and how her adoption came to be. Jana Beth and Ryan are people of great faith, the way that God introduces himself into their lives. Their story is full of a reality about life that many of us never come face to face with. And I appreciate so much the time that they take to share their perspective and to share their story. What can happen when we lay ourselves before the Lord and let him use us in the way that he wishes. My name is Ryan Hunt. My name is Jana Beth Hunt. Uh, we met at Free Harmon University. We, she's one year behind me. I guess we met though the first time before she was actually school. I think she was a senior. She went to a school that was in town. Then we just became good friends in college, started hanging out. Uh, I guess we started liking each other. <laughs> both, we were both really interested in mission work and um, taking care of kids, which I guess is relevant. I liked him first. I liked him before he liked me. Um, when we were dating for four months, he took me home, and I just decided that he was the kind of man I wanted to marry. And so I had my eyes set on goal. <laughs> but like he said, um, he was. we were both interested in missions. And um, he was actually the first guy that I dated that was really interested in the Lord and loved the Lord as much as I did. And so that was a huge thing for me was like going home with him and seeing his family and how much they love God. Um, that was a big, big, big pull for me. So Roatan is an island off of, um, I guess, the coast of Honduras. And um, we got married in Roatan after a two-week mission trip. And so our family, some of our family was there. Most of our parents were there and one of his brothers and my brother and my nephews were there and a couple of best friends. But the rest of the people that are in the pictures are people that were on the mission trip. <laughs> we got married in 2005. So the first three, four years of our marriage, we had either a 17-year-old living with us or a 14-year-old living with us. And then um, we had a couple of years of just us by ourselves. And then... Um, our children that we've adopted, um, that came from um, really just, again, loving on people that sometimes it's hard to love. I have a cousin that has been in and out of addiction her entire life and um, just really have a heart for people that struggle because I know that it's a demon, like it's not them. It's not what they want. Um, volunteered at a place called Mending Hearts because my cousin was there. And um, anytime somebody would come in that didn't have family, that like didn't have anybody love on them, she would reach out to me. The director would ask her to reach out to me. And we started getting the church involved with loving on that community as well. And um, they specifically asked if I would help with a mom that was having a baby. And I said, yes, got a bunch of stuff together took it to the ministry, and then that girl ended up leaving and um, like before she had the baby. And a month later, 
another girl, which is now um, our daughter Paige's birth mom, Caitlin, came. She came from jail to Mending Hearts, and the director reached out to um, my cousin again and said, um, would you ask your cousin to help because this girl has nothing? And she helped the last person, but she left. So when you help people a lot, sometimes it's hard um, to just have a heart to want to continue to help. I don't know how to say that exactly, but it's hard to navigate if they're using you or if you're enabling. And so at first I was kind of like, well, I just gave all this stuff, you know, I don't know. And so I didn't respond immediately to that. I think that was on a Friday. And then on Sunday, um, Yolanda, um, she's my cousin. She called me again and was like, Hey, um, the director wants to know if you're willing to help or not. And, um, at that moment, I just really felt the Holy Spirit convict me and say, who are you to not help? She needs diapers. You know, she needs wipes. This is a baby, an unborn baby. And so um, I made it my Facebook status. Hey, friends that have babies. Um, there's a girl that's about to have a baby and she has nothing. We need everything for a nursery. And um so I tell everybody that the Lord literally like opened up the heavens and all these blessings started falling out of the sky. And my best friend, um, Becca Daniel and I ended up making it a service project and we went to Mending Hearts and we made this nursery for this family and we went and met Caitlin and, uh, Tawan in the hospital and just loved on them in the hospital. And, um, Caitlin was so thankful and overwhelmed that somebody that didn't know her would come and love her like that. Um, I remember being at TJ Maxx <laughs> calling um, and asking if she like if she was a pink person or a blue person or if she, and she was like, what do you mean? And I was like, well, you're having a baby girl and some people like pink and some people don't like pink. And if you don't like pink, I don't want to buy you <laughs> pink things. And she was just so like, Oh, I like pink. It doesn't matter. She was so thankful. So, so thankful. Um, and so we did the nursery. We did get some pink stuff and, um, she had the baby, um, which was a baby girl and, um, her, she named her Ziana Nicole. Um, and so that was October 26, 2011, we continued to have that relationship. Like I went to the hospital when she was born, she had to be in the hospital in the NICU for a couple of days, but she was fine. And then, um, she went to mending hearts and, um, I went just to love on her and to love on, on the baby. And the first day that I went, um, the baby was propped up in a boppy, um, on the couch with a bottle propped up in her mouth, um, at one week old. And, um, Caitlin was outside on the phone and I just remember picking her up, the baby up and just singing Jesus loves me to her and on this nasty, nasty couch that was, the room was filled with smoke. And I was thinking there's no telling what's inside this couch <laughs> that I'm sitting on with this sweet, sweet baby. But I just sung Jesus loves me to her for what seemed like forever. And then just continued just reaching out to Caitlin to encourage her and to let her know that we loved her. 
still, that was probably in November and then December, um, comes and Caitlin calls and tells me that she's going to leave, that she can't handle the rules and she's leaving. And I'm like, you don't, you don't have a place to live. You don't have anywhere to go. Like this is not a good choice. Um, and she said, I'm going to go live with my mom and, um, a travel trailer. And I was like, you're, you're not going to have everything that you need. Um, and I just tried to encourage her so strongly to stay because she had all the basic needs met at Mending Hearts. And, um, she left and, um, continued to reach out to me. And, um, December 22nd, we, um, decided we went home. I live, my family's from West Tennessee and we went to um, visit Caitlin and took her, and she has a son named Christian, and then she had the baby, and we took them Christmas presents and just loved on them again, then went home. And all the while throughout this entire story, inside my spirit, if something happens, we're going to have a two-week-old baby. If something happens, we're going to have a four-week-old baby. And then, like, if something happens, we're going to have a six-week-old baby. And um, I don't know. Do you remember what you said? <laughs> just Probably just said okay. That's <laughs> what I usually say. <laughs> Fast forward to January 3rd. Um, I'm going back to school. I'm, I was a teaching at the time. And it was a teacher work day. And, um, well, actually, the night before, I had gotten a phone call from Caitlin's mom, the grandmother, and she called me and said, Caitlin left with the baby. Please, please, please um, call her, talk to her. She'll listen to you. I think she'll listen to you. And so I called and she didn't answer. And then I called um, Yolanda and said, um, "There, Caitlin's out there. She's on the streets. Like, where is she? I, I'm, I'm going to go get her. I have to go get the baby. Like, we have to get it them out of the situation and she was like I'm not taking you downtown in your little white suburban Tahoe like who do you think you are and I was like I don't know but we have to find them we have to find them and um so I call I kept calling Caitlin and I left her a voicemail that just said you know we love you we will come and get you and the baby and y'all can stay at our house until we figure out what to do. Or if you want to keep shooting up and doing drugs, then we'll just come get the baby. Like what, however you want this to be. Like we want to help you. We love you. We want to be there for you. Um, she never returned my phone call. And then the next day is when the grandmother boyfriend called. <laughs> These kind of stories get complicated, but, uh, the grandmother's boyfriend called and he left me a voicemail and said that Caitlin was in jail and the baby was at the hospital and if we wanted to go get her, we could. Which, obviously, things don't work that way. Yeah, that's what I said. I said, I don't think it works that way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I called Ryan and I was like, uh, he's like, yeah, it doesn't work that way. But... Uh, I called Ryan and told him what was going on, and he went to the hospital, um, and Yolanda went to the hospital. I couldn't leave work yet, and they went. Um, the birth father was at the hospital with the baby. His name was um, Tawan, and they really just talked to him for several hours until I could get there, and then when I got there, um, 
she was so sweet and so tiny and so little. She was 10 weeks old and she had a tiny little bruise on her face. In the police report, it just says that one of them threw a phone at the other one and it ended up hitting the baby. Um, and so she was admitted. That was her third time being admitted to Vanderbilt by 10 weeks old. Um, and it was just heartbreaking. And I rocked her for a while, and then we had to leave. And when we were leaving, we were walking out, and I just remember thinking, um, what are we going to do? Like, I don't even know how to do this. What are we going to do? Call DCS and say, we'll take the baby in room 111? Like, how, how does this even work? And uh, we get on the elevator, and then a doctor comes around the corner, and it is Dr. Paige Smith who goes to church with us. And um, she gets in and she's like, hey, 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 what, what's going on? What are y'all here for? And I was like, oh, let me tell you what I'm here for. And so I told her the backstory. And um, at that time, I told her that um, the baby was taking medication to... Um, be hopefully not contract HIV because both parents were HIV positive. And I told her that I knew that I'm, I was sure that there was some kind of box that you had to check on a foster care form that you would take a child that may or may not be sick. And I said, we already checked that box because we already love her. And, um, she took my number and, um, we left that night. We were in different cars and, um, I went to Wendy's and oh yeah, that's right. Got um, the father something to eat and took it back, and then we had a nice cordial conversation, which makes sense later or doesn't make sense later about you know how he just wanted to take care of things and he couldn't understand why they wouldn't just let him take the baby home, and so then we left and I went back to, went to work. TJ Maxx again. Ryan went back to work. I went to TJ Maxx because that's what I do a lot and um, got clothes again. This was our third time clothing her um, because when you're an addict, you lose all the things that you have. And so she didn't have anything. I went and got a couple of blankets and a couple of outfits. And um, then the next day is my first day back at work as a teacher. And... Um, I'm teaching and I'm texting with the father and he, I, I'm asking him, I'm telling him that I got the baby a couple of things and would it be okay if I brought them by? And he actually responded and told me that he didn't know because my cousin had asked the nurses too many questions the day before. So they had put the baby on high alert and I was like, oh, okay, which totally didn't make sense, but I was like, okay, she's been put on high alert. Um, and then I just had this overwhelming feeling you have to leave and go to the hospital. Like right now you have to leave and go to the hospital. And, um, it was my first day back to work for teachers that understand, um, you can't get a half day sub very easily. Um, but I put in for a half day sub at like 10 30 I had a half-day sub, like, within a few minutes, and I left, and which is a miracle in and of itself if you're a teacher. And so I'm driving to the hospital. I literally 
just know that the Lord wants me to go and take the clothes. Like that's the only reason that I'm driving to the hospital is to go take the clothes. The father had told me that I could. And so when I get to the hospital, I am standing outside the doors where you press the button to go back to see uh, the patient and it's locked. And in my head, I'm thinking the baby's on high alert. I'm not a relative. I have no idea. And he's not responding to me. So this is like, I don't know what it's going to look like. And about that time, I'm literally pacing saying, Lord, what do you want me to do? I don't know what you want me to do. Dr. Paige Smith got out of the elevator. (laughs) And I was like, oh my goodness, what are you doing here? And she just, I'd say she waved her magic badge in front of the door. And we both walked back to the nurse's station at the same time. And I told her, I said, I literally am here to bring these clothes. Like that's the only thing that I know I'm supposed to do right now. And so I dropped the clothes off. She tried to page the social worker. She tried to find some people, but she couldn't find anybody at that time. And um, I just said, this, that's all I know I'm supposed to do right now. So I left. I, I went down. Actually, I went down to the fifth floor and um, talked to Amy Hunt for a little bit because she's a nurse. She was a nurse at Vanderbilt at the time. And we were trying to talk to social the social worker at Vanderbilt, and everybody was telling us, you know, this is so sweet what y'all are trying to do, but you're not foster care parents. Like, there's a lot of rules and regulations that you have to go through. Like, this is this is real sweet, but this is you know not going to happen. Y'all are not going to get this baby. And um, Ryan had you were calling different people. I called Mike, the first person I called, because I knew he worked with Agape, and um, he told me a similar thing that, um, you know, it was possible, but it was unlikely that if you weren't already registered through the foster care system, you weren't a relative, that it was unlikely that you'd be able to take the baby home, that the baby would just go into the system. He had me call over to Agape and speak to a few people, basically the same thing was happening, and... um, they were getting me some more information, and um, I was downtown trying to get some work done for a client. <laughs> <laughs> so you had left the the hospital because um, Dr. Page couldn't find uh, anybody for you to speak with at that time. Um, so I had given her my number as well, Dr. Page. So I, I'm sitting there, and um, what came to my mind was um, Gideon and, and his fleece. We were you know, trying to help this um, family out, trying to help the baby out, we wanted to, but it was kind of obvious that we weren't going to be able to um, do it without some help because every everywhere we looked, it was just a, a roadblock, just the normal way things happen. It just wasn't going to be able to happen. The baby was on high alert, didn't know why. So there's a lot of security um, with regards to that. And so, so I prayed to God and I just said, you know, God, I, I don't know what, my fleece is going to be. I don't have a fleece here in front of me. I don't take a fleece to work usually. And I was like, but if you want us to protect this child, if you want us to take this child in and love it, then then we're going to have to have a sign, you know, because, I mean, we were considering, like, you know, how hard do you push? Do you Is it is it just your will or is this God's will? So we were like, we just need a sign. So literally i mean i was praying that had just prayed that and my phone rings and it's dr page on the phone again our little angel who keeps showing up at the right um, point so she said hey i just talked to the social worker and she 
she's interested in, in you guys um, taking the baby, but she has some questions. And um, I'm, I'm trying to get up with Jenna Beth. So I don't know if Jenna Beth wasn't answering the phone call because she didn't recognize. I don't know what it was. So I picked up the phone. I called Jenna Beth, told her they were calling, and and then the social worker called you, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I was, uh, I had left the hospital, and I think I was probably like in a part of the hospital that my phone wasn't working. I got that phone call from Ryan, and I'd actually driven over to the church and was talking to Mike Runcy. I was in his office and he was telling me the same thing about this is really sweet but there's a lot of rules that go into this and everything and I was in his office when I got the phone call from the social worker and I was like oh my goodness this is I don't know who this is maybe it's her so I walk out and um she said um so I've talked to Caitlin and the the mom the birth mom and um I asked her if she had any family and she said to please find the hunts. So we were like, oh, okay. So um, she asked me what my goal was with this. And I said, I really don't have a goal. I said, we um, will take her and love her and help Caitlin get her back or we'll adopt her if that's what the Lord wants us to do. I, I don't really have a goal. And she said, okay, can your house be ready for a walkthrough tonight at 7.30? And I said, yes. (laughs) So rewind just a bit, which is where the uh, Wendy's comes in because the Wendy's is kind of important in this story. This is the important part. um, Miss Page, when she does find the social worker, before she calls me, we find out she's talking to the social worker. And she was like, you need to talk to Ryan and Jenna Beth Hunt. they're, they're willing to take the baby and the social worker like grabs her paperwork and she flips through it and she said Ryan and Jenna Beth Hunt I'm like yeah he said well I have a note right here from the father saying that, that last night when they were here they tried to buy the baby from them yep and Paige thank goodness <laughs> she knew us enough to say they did not try to buy the baby from him so interesting so at some point in time in between my you know meager kind gesture of leaving the hospital going to get him uh wendy's and bringing it back to him uh and having this very cordial intelligent adult conversation about the child's welfare and whatnot um he decided to go tell them that we were trying to buy the baby and that's actually why the baby got put on high alert uh, yes. not because of the other reason that he mentioned the john bath on the phone so yes. So they asked if we could do a walkthrough at 7.30. It was like four-ish. I was in Brentwood, had to drive to Antioch. Uh, thankfully, we were living in a tiny little townhome at the Didn't time. Didn't take long to clean up. So I cleaned like crazy. And then uh, I'm always second-guessing myself. And so I thought, oh, no, I should like set shoes out so they don't think I'm OCD. <laughs> and so I literally set two pair of shoes out so they didn't think I was... <laughs> crazy um they did an interview this was ended up being an emergency foster care placement next to ken and so um, they we did all that paperwork that night and they brought her to us at 10 45 that night so that day that that was all the same day that like i left school left all that stuff and so we brought her home at 10.45, and then... They brought us to her in the carrier. 
I'm pretty sure even that night, though, before she ever got there, people had already brought this stuff. Oh, yeah. The Lord literally was so kind and abundant and giving us everything that we needed. So I had to go to work the next morning because I hadn't put in a sub. And so I left. Right. My mom did come up um, to help, but. I changed my first diaper. Changed his first diaper. Ever. And put. I'm not joking. <laughs> I was a married adult. I'd never changed a diaper before. So no reason to until I had my own kid. <laughs> so, yeah, he did. And then we started having all the meetings. Um, the very first uh, meeting that we had, um, we had to look, come up with a plan for Caitlin, or they came up with a plan for Caitlin. And um, we, at that time, were just very much like we're just loving this baby until Caitlin gets out of jail and gets her back like that's that's what we're supposed to do that's what we're doing and um an older gentleman that had been with DCS for a really for at least 30 years pulled us over to the side and he just said um I've read mom's file and um this is going to be your baby if you want to adopt her. Are y'all open to adopting her? And we were like, yeah, but like she's going to get her back because this is, you know, she's just in jail and she'll get out. And he was so kind. He just said, I've, he said, I've been doing this for 30 years. He said, I just read her file. And he said, I, I'm just telling you based on what I've read, like this is probably what's going to end up happening we were like okay and then um the social worker she was really funny her name was Latasha and she after that meeting also pulled us over to the side and said um y'all are gonna need to give this baby a nickname like a nickname and we were like what do you mean and she was like Y'all, y'all are going to want to give her a name like uh, that you're going to want to call her forever. Like, do you want to call this baby Ziana? And I was like, no, but it's not, she's not my baby. Like, I just felt so weird. I just felt so strange. And she was like, well, you're going to need to give this baby a nickname that you're going to want to call her for the rest of her life. And I was like, okay. And so we left there like, wow, they're pushing like looking back it was like you know okay the lord was letting us know that this was going this is what he wanted for us but at the time we just were really trying to love on caitlin as well as love on the baby and so the next day um my best friend came over to the house and we're all sitting on the floor with this new baby girl and she looks at us and is like so we calling this baby baby z like what are we doing and I was like, I don't know. Like, that's what her name is. I didn't name her. I haven't had time to, like, think of what I would name a child if I were going to name a child. And then my husband, what does he say? Well, I said I think it's pretty obvious her name should be Paige. Oh, he said her name should be Paige. And I just started bawling my eyes out because it's like, of course it should be Paige. She was like an angel throughout the entire story. And um, the word, uh, the name Paige means assistant. 
and Paige Smith definitely assisted us throughout the entire process. And so we ended up naming her Paige Elizabeth, which means assistant of God. And um, it was a very long process. It was 20 Let me tell months. the rest of the story, okay? Well, well make, I always forget to say that Paige is not, she did not contract the HIV virus. So, side note, Vanderbilt has never had a child that has been born to parents that had HIV that took the medicine that contracted the disease. So, she is, she's very healthy. She does not have HIV. So, I mean, the rest of the story is, is that, you know, we worked permanency plan with the mom and through DCS. Did a lot of visitation. We vis- visited a couple of times with the father. Um, and then he just stopped showing up to the visitations. Uh, mom was in jail, I guess, every time that we visited with her. Um, and then... Unfortunately, when she got out, she would never last more than a day or two, and she'd be right back in jail. Um, so it became apparent after you know a while, and um, anybody who knows anything about adoption and these types of situations or foster care in these types of situations, you, you review the permanency plan uh, every so often. And at some point, we reviewed it and changed the, the goal uh, or created dual goal. The first goal was return to parent and the second goal became adoption. So we started working a dual goal because you don't want to wait forever and then have a new goal. And then it takes so long to provide permanency for the child. Um, so eventually, um, you know, in conversations with the birth mom, um, she actually decided to surrender uh, her rights because she thought it would be best for um, Paige, who was now over a year old, um, a year and a half at least old, and well, we were going to have that to sign that paperwork in front of the judge, and she just didn't show up. And she called us about uh, a day. It was one she day. Called us a day later, saying that you know she was sorry she was late. She was either on her way or she's sorry she had missed it, and she didn't realize that she hadn't missed it by an hour or two she had missed it my entire day um so the judge at that uh, setting just went ahead and terminated her parental rights because she didn't come and then uh september the 26 um 2012 2012 We had a big adoption party, had a band, and had a bunch of people out on the grass, and we went to the judge, and we told her we'd take care of her for 18 years, and Tissue was 18 years old, and we'd pay for all her bills and makeup and stuff like that, and, <laughs> and then he said, well, she's yours, and thank you, the state thanks you, and we took her home, had a big party, mm-hmm. her forever day. Yes. And then she turned two. <laughs> so it was a it was a two year journey almost uh, from birth to adoption. Yeah. She's six now. She is. She's our little ballerina. She is our little ballerina. Our entertainer. She is an entertainer. She's got a big personality. She's a lot of fun. Core Stories is a ministry of the Otter Creek Church in Brentwood, Tennessee. 
To find more stories, go to ottercreek.org stories or follow us on Instagram at ottercreekchurch.com.